I'm very excited to share this recording with you guys, which happened at our conference, sasopen.com, with over 100 speakers, all founders of B2B SaaS companies. We have a very high bar for what speakers share on stage, so you're going to enjoy this episode where we dive deep into revenue graphs, real tactics, and real growth metrics. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Larry Talley, and I am the uh, founder of uh, Everywhere. Everywhere is a uh located in uh, Austin, Texas. So we just spent a good uh, past week with South By going on and uh, excited uh, to leave that and come straight here. I'm here to talk to you today about really the three main phases uh, that we go through as we build a startup. And how many uh, founders do we have uh, left in this room? I know this room is thinning out. Good chunk of us, right? And uh, I would say out of that, how many are in the, uh, the early stage? All right, how about the, uh, the seed stage? And I'll go with the final one, the, the growth. All right, still a few of us left here. Um, and really how we apply people, product, and profit. And as a founder, I'll probably add one more P to that, which is, uh, which is passion. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, get this clicker. A little bit about myself and the company. Uh, Everywhere was really formed back in 2018. Uh, prior to that, I was uh, the owner and operator of another uh, company that had about 15 years that built enterprise software for hotels. Uh, hotels, and if you ever stayed at a Hilton and you get a text message, I invented that over 15 years ago, uh, mainly to, to drive upsells and show that I can use real phone numbers and a bot to replace humans, and it worked and became highly successful. And during that time, I felt like, man, you know, we solved all these problems around customer service and around payment transactions. Well, to me, this looked like, well, what if Stripe and Twilio had a baby, right? I like to think that everywhere is born, you know, based on the mindset of applying um, a text message conversation uh, to a payment transaction to ultimately help companies collect faster. Um, and throughout COVID, the company really accelerated um, you know, in the, in the early stage, when you really, you know, I would say have the mindset of like hiring folks, it's about being in the right place at the right time. So back then, I actually moved the company to Austin, Texas from Florida. And the big reason that I moved the company is really um, because perception. You know, when you're building a company, you want to have the best perception as possible. So if you're in Boca Raton, Florida, right away when you're trying to raise money, it was about old people or people that were traveling there or not enough talent. And that would be about zero seconds going through you know, a VC's head or somebody's head that really didn't know much about Florida. They were in San Francisco, perhaps even in New York. But putting yourself in the right place uh, where opportunity exists and that perception is perceived differently, uh, to me that was uh, Austin, Texas. And so I moved my family there and uh, ever since then, everything really started clicking um, and it really accelerated. And you can really see that because back in 2018, we barely broke a million. 
Uh, but after moving the company to Austin, we accelerated um, very quickly over to almost, uh, really over three and a half million. So um, today the company is very profitable. Um, we are on track right now to exceed uh, over probably about 25 million in revenue this year. Um, and a really a lot of the, thank you. Because it's a grind and bootstrapping it, um, you know, in the beginning, in the early days, is definitely tough. So to get into that, that 10 million ARR, um, you know, really it involved a lot of hard work and dedication from our from our team and our people. <clears throat> During that time at the uh, at the seed stage level and putting myself in the opportunity, I had one desk in Austin and I really didn't have any employees. Uh, I was really myself. I was a software engineer and really just trying to build things out. And um, at the time, I hired uh, another software engineer because that's typically what we do. And really, I hired this person um, to be my replacement. And I felt the first thing I had to do was replace myself as an engineer and really put myself more or less in the front lines um, to work in other departments, whether it was the accounting department to build that out, um, but it was ultimately the HR department where I spent my time. Um, and I really leveraged you know, my network, and I used my network to really make my first hires. And you know, at that time, it's just about, it's not like you just wanna take just about anyone, but I just really needed bodies at the time. And hiring my friends, what I thought was the right move or potentially would um, lead to a disaster, um, really turned out to be, in my, in my world, a, a really a great thing because these people were really loyal um, and they spent time with me over the years, so it actually worked out well. I know it doesn't work out well for everyone else, but um, you know, I really surrounded myself by what I like to think about as like family, people that I want to hang out with, drink a beer with, and spend time with. Uh, but ultimately, it was to really fine tune our product, right? So hiring um, more engineers, uh, more product design folks, and really focusing now on really getting our product right. Because at the end of the day, um, as a software engineer, I was building too much. Because um, ultimately, when I went and put this in front of VCs, I had an app, I had a text messaging system, I had a payments company, and what I was being told was, you have too much, these are great ideas. And I, had, I thought probably one of the sexiest apps out there, um, but it was too much for people's brains to absorb. But as an engineer, you tend to build a lot of things. Um, but ultimately, I built an amazing application um, but the VCs and where the investment went, it went into the payments. That was really the engine and the driver. So I had to put all my other ideas and products on the sidelines and really focus it on what we like to think of as our MVP, right? The one that we're all gonna rally behind and the one that's gonna make us the most amount of money. money. And that ultimately was um, a pay-by-mobile solution. And the pay-by-mobile solution was really that that solution that basically assigned a merchant account a mobile number. And what was really unique about the mobile number and how we did it is that um, we used, again, like my hotel uh, background, real phone numbers, 10-digit numbers, and local area codes. And we used a bot and an, it always personalized it. So everything was like, hi, John, this is Mary, or hi, John, this is Ivy. We gave the bot a personality, but ultimately, a real human can jump in at any time. And it was all about figuring out why somebody couldn't pay a bill or get them to pay fast. And if you think about industries like healthcare, um, nobody wants to call into a 1-800 number to just be put on hold, or you don't want to get a statement in the mail just to put it on a desk for somebody to get to in 30 days from now, right? 
So being able to send that text message out to collect the money or figure out why somebody couldn't pay a bill was extremely important. And it became super relevant. Um, what I felt it was convenience that they were after, but it became contactless. We struck a deal with Visa throughout the pandemic, and it quickly accelerated to a lot of their customers, mainly in healthcare. Uh, not only did it, no, you don't want to ship out and send out statements any longer, um, but ultimately there was a shortage in paper, right? There was a lot of things that were happening back then, and they really could not generate enough paper. So we stepped in and worked with some of the largest paper statement companies to start delivering this through text messaging. And guess what? They're still doing it now today. In fact, there's more text messages going out with a lot of these companies than there are pieces of paper. So I like to think that we're actually doing a good thing based on the number of trees that we're hopefully saving. Um, but it really proved that customers and our patients at this in healthcare, um, it wasn't about not paying a bill. It was about like they had a question and it could be a simple question. Just give them the ability to text it in, get a response back. And the great thing about it, it just didn't have to be a live chat, right? Or it didn't get, it didn't happen over the, over a phone call. Everyone can do and operate on their own time. And that's really was the beauty about the text message. It showed that you can communicate to someone and nobody's going to get pissed off to you if they didn't respond to you in zero seconds, right? Um, Because you're not stuck on hold. They're not stuck on the phone. So ultimately, that that idea and that product um, quickly accelerated and became very widely used. And even companies like T-Mobile and other large enterprise companies really started adopting this as a payment method. And then we had to take it one step further and really simplify it and make it so that you didn't even have to click on a link anymore. So we partnered up again with Visa and we came out with Network tokenization. Network tokenization, if you use Google Pay or Apple Pay, um, you're leveraging a network token. Everywhere, certified your phone number directly with the banks and the card networks, and we're able to use a network token that's shareable across merchants and across acquirers. And what that does, it actually lowers the cost of the fee, and it makes it more of a safer transaction. We proved that it's actually uh, much safer to do a transaction through us with a phone number than it is with a piece of plastic. And it sounds odd, but in the sense that, you know, the plastic came out, they added a chip to it, everyone thought, okay, we can stop using driver's license, we can just now rely on this chip. We'll show that you can have tons, a lot more fraud happening out there, especially online. Um, But the phone number was really two-factor authentication. It was very secure. In fact, our system showed that if you give me your phone number, I can actually repeat back to your social security number. And if I don't know your social security number, you're high risk. And it probably sounds a little scary about how much information is out there, but if you really think about it, your phone number is tied to just about everything you've done over probably over a decade. And for me, I have had the same phone number for over 20 years. I know most of you in the room probably had your cell phone number for over 10 years. You'd be pretty surprised how much data Um, including your social security number, your family tree is tied to it. And what we ultimately do now is we build a trust score. So we have identified, we have identity and payments in one, and we're able to not only collect money fast, but make sure that we're actually collecting money or getting paid from someone that actually is the correct person. Our portfolio quickly grew and accelerated. Again, we leveraged the accelerator being the pandemic, Money movement was quickly shifting. 
banks were quickly changing. So there was a gap in the market. We seized the opportunity. We partnered up with all the major banks. So if we use Bank of America, KeyBank, Wells Fargo, all those banks today are our customers and leverage this platform. Uh, the car networks, Visa uh, and Discover leverage our platform. Um, and ulti ultimately, it's that pay by mobile rail solution is what they're really after. Um, so our portfolio has grown well over 10,000 customers today and over 18,000 uh, users log on to our system. So very fast growing and it quickly uh, uh, expand, hopefully within the next, I would say 12 months globally, where we start using our technology um, in, in other countries. Ultimately, it's about building brand awareness to getting the name out there. Even in a name like everywhere, um, it's spelled a little differently. It's spelled like software. So ultimately, that has to resonate. And that was probably the biggest challenge. Um, but our brand today in fintech has become more or less a, of a household name um, within that network, uh, simply because a lot of times you see our technology or feel our technology, and you don't even know it's us. And that's because a lot of the, the larger customers, like the BOAs and the Wells Fargo's of the world, uh, white label our solution. Uh, we allow our solution to be white labeled. And again, as you're a young company growing, um, as much as I would love to get my brand and be, have that everywhere logo on top of uh, everything that we do, ultimately we're spreading like wildfire by leveraging uh, merchants that have uh, thousands of merchants underneath them. And I would say that's probably one of the biggest things that when I was coming up building out this product, it was, do I want to knock on a thousand doors or knock on one door that has a thousand customers already, right? And I find that it's really about the same amount of time. So we target um, larger software companies, larger enterprise companies that have the businesses to really go after. And I think that's important that you know, each one of your stages is to leverage that. As we got into, like I would say, into, and everywhere is really in between stages right now, I don't consider ourselves yet a, a mature growth stage company. We're at 57 employees. Um, we're at about another 40 employees uh, you know, over the course of probably about the next six months. Um, but ultimately, it was about putting people in the right seats. And that was really one of the big challenges I, through each one of these stages because it hurts sometimes when you have somebody that's been with you from the seed stage and as you get to the maturity stage, you're like, is that really a chief marketing officer? Is that really a chief technology officer? You start kind of questioning it because you really want somebody that's been there and done it before, that's scaled the company. And that's really, really important. That's something that I really, um, on January 1, even of this year, it was tough. Um, but I had to make those decisions. And it's not about um, removing them from your company, but it's ultimately about the better good for all of us. And so I moved folks around, and at the end of the day, they're much more happier now because they were able to leverage their strengths. Where I felt like their strengths were maybe weak in certain areas, um, they're able now to actually provide and really add a lot more value to the company. So I would say that in that maturity stage and that growth stage, as you, as you get to that 10 million in AR, it's really about hiring the right folks that have been there, done it before, um, that can scale the teams, can, that can, um, Again, um, and again, it's about, I think the, each one of these stages is about culture. So never lose the culture at everywhere. Um, you know, I would say that we're probably one of the few companies that always have people in the office. They love coming to the office. It's a fun office. Um, but ultimately, 
everyone's each other's best friend, right? We all hang out together. Um, and I think that that's really what it comes down to, is about building that culture that ultimately is, you know, that, you know, your family. Um, the next stage as we continue to accelerate this year is really going into these new and expanding into these new sectors. You know, I, I talked about global. That's a big topic in our company internally. And the reason being is that Visa, Bank of America, a lot of these larger enterprise companies operate globally. And if we want to actually uh, continue to, to accelerate, we have to be able to keep up with some of these bigger guys. Uh, so hiring and looking at folks in other countries is something that's really hot this year for us um, as we expand into these different markets. Well, thank you, everyone.